0: Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Sometimes you receive emails that you know have been sent to a lot of other people. An email that I got off this guest today, I knew was meant for me. Paul Serafino took the time, he um, visited a website, he uh, listened to a podcast, and he wrote a personalised message to me, about uh, which kick-started this conversation. I just want to say thank you again to Paul for his time. Um, his energy, and also some of the insights that he shares in this amazing conversation. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, then please do. It helps me bring amazing guests like Paul uh, closer to us all. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solve. Today, I have the great pleasure of chatting with Paul Serafino. Paul founded Accelerated Journey, and what I really like about him, he calls himself the lean guy turned
1: leadership. Coach. paul serafino how the devil are you i'm doing so well lee thank you thank you for having me on i'm really excited to chat with you today this is gonna be a lot of fun
0: yeah no i am i am and i have to say as well um the the polite email that you sent to instigate the conversation today is the um it, it's not very often people send a personalized message and take time out to uh to actually understand the other person a little bit it's a lot of like spam stuff that's just sent and, and people kind of like just machine gun it and just hope something sticks but what i really value in, in what you did and the reason why we've managed to get this over the line so quickly is just because of how how personalized your uh, your initial approach was so so thank you for that actually and and is that does that say a lot about you as a person is that the approach that you take um do you want to just talk about that a little bit
1: yeah. You know, and thanks for, for calling that out. Cause I appreciate your message and, and what your organization stands for, what you guys do. Um, like we were chatting earlier, the, the acronym that you have about your values, fact, you know, fun, authentic, caring, trust, right. I hear all those things talked about individually, but somebody who's really genuinely putting them together as a package. Of, this is what we stand for that means a lot to me because I stand for those things too. And, and so when I, I heard you on a friend of mine's podcast, you were on New England Lean um, with Paul Critchley and you guys just had such an open, genuine conversation, a lot of honesty there. And it really drew me in and I, I loved your story. And I, I figured, you know what? That's somebody I want to talk to. I have followed you on LinkedIn. We're first connections for who knows, years probably, but we've never actually spoken. And so part of you know my personality or what I'm about is, connections online are just, it's just another number. It's just a person who might like or share a post, but until you actually dive in and uncover what that person's about and speak to each other, there's so many things left unlearned. And and so that's why I sent you that personal message to reach out, let you know, I appreciate what you stand for, but also you're the kind of person I want to, I want to get to know because we overlap and we have, we share similar values and the more people that have those similarities who come together, the greater things they can start to build. Uh, and and that's harder to do when it's just, uh, an automated message or, you know, go through and like a thousand posts one day and hope that that means it's going to work for you. I I like the the touch points like this a lot more, and that's kind of who I am. And that's, that's what I teach people too. When they're, when they're in positions where they can influence others or where they can build a following, it's, it's not about quantity. It's about the quality. You know, you really want to have quality connections and, and share Mm -hmm. each other's message. Love
2: that. Love that so much so much. don't know so thank you for that but I guess yeah but for, for, for anybody who doesn't know who Paul Serafino is who is Paul Serafino and how has he got to sit in this seat today what's your journey Paul
1: yeah you know like like you mentioned in, in my my profile calls calls it out you know the lean guy turned leadership coach and, and the reason I say it that way is because I want people to know that it's not just that I Took a coding a coaching course once and got certified to go and do it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But really, I coach people based on where I've come from and where I've gotten to. You know, my journey and what I what I realized a lot, and some people who don't know me should know about me is that I firmly believe that life isn't a journey. You know, you hear that message all the time: life's a journey and enjoy it. I I believe more that life's a series of destinations. Let's focus on those more and look at where do you actually want to get to? And if you can accelerate the process to get to your destination, you're going to discover that there's so many more things beyond that, that you can go and do that. You maybe never would have thought of if you just kind of sat back, enjoyed the ride, so to speak, and looked out the windows of the bus, you know, get in the driver's seat, you know, step on the gas, go accelerate as fast as you can to where you want to be. So then you can discover what that life is like because that might be where you stay forever or you might get there and realize, you know what, I'm, I'm glad I discovered this at, at age 40 or 45 instead of 60 or 65 because it's not what I want. I want to do something bigger or better. And so that's kind of, you know, that's what I'm about. It's what I stand for. And the reason I do and how I discovered that is my own, my own path was like a journey. I was treating it like, a, you know, this is the career I'm on. I'm, I'm an engineer. You know I'm doing process stuff, and then I learned about this lean thing, and I was like, oh, and this is the natural evolution is you know, be a lean engineer and then a, a CI manager. And and where that was taking me was, you know, maybe getting into my 60s and retiring as a lean guy, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with. It could have been an amazing career, but I knew that there was something more for me, and I wanted to discover what it was. So I accelerated my process and I took some big risks and took some chances. I connected and reached out like I did with, with people like yourself and just learned as much as I could in a short amount of time and realized, okay, I, I need to get to a new place, which is I want to have a bigger impact by starting my own business and, and helping people. And I didn't know how, what that was. I didn't know what, what it meant to be a coach as, as a profession. Um, so I had to learn those things, but the quicker I discovered what was possible, the sooner I landed in the seat, like you call it where I am today, where I get to coach other people who are where I was, you know, five, six, seven years ago, kind of in a career that they feel like that's the path for the next 20 to 25 years for them. They're in their forties, maybe they're late thirties and they're saying, okay, I, I know where I'm supposed to be at 65. So I'm just going to pace myself to get there. But when I have conversations with those people, they it's amazing what people want. They want to lead all kinds of amazing things. They want to make change in the world. They want to help their community. They want to build a business. Well, waiting for that to happen isn't the recipe for success. So I helped them kind of step on the gas and and do what I did. Learn more, faster, get to where they want to be faster, and then decide, is that really what they want to do the rest of their life?
2: I love that. And there's so much there that, that I love I want to talk about. It. So when you were first talking then, um, Steve Jobs popped into my mind because he said, mm-hmm. you, can't, um, you can only join the dots looking backwards. You can't join them looking forwards. And when you say that um, mm-hmm. it's a... It's a series of destinations as opposed to an end, just a a single, a single place. That for me is what Steve Jobs was saying there: is you don't know which what path you're going to go on, you don't know which direction you're going to go in, and and as long as you just go, you you reach read something and then then you see what takes you to the to the next place. Mm -hmm. So I I I love that and really resonate because it's often that you can you can create a plan, um, but that plan is is out of date. because yeah. all different things, different things happen. Um, the other thing that popped into my mind then, as well, was I went on a um, on a stand up comedy course. It doesn't come across in any of my delivery, um, okay. But what I believe is that stand up comedians they can um, they can articulate and make people feel something so succinctly uh, far quicker than any other profession. And I wanted to learn that secret. And I went on a, this. Uh, I've been on the, went on the beginner course last year. <laughs> And then at the start of this year, I went, uh, just a few weeks ago, I went on the intermediate course. And in the intermediate course, they said, uh, we're going to teach about comedy timing, comic timing. So it's a, it's a fundamental thing. And they said there's three elements of comedy timing. They said there's program, perceptual, and incidental timing. And they said program timing is just your material, your script, your... You you give a setup and then you deliver a punchline, you pause, wait for people to laugh, then you deliver your next one and your next one and your next one. So it's just your script and deliver it in a way. Which is exactly what we do when we do projects and all of that stuff. It's just, it's all programmed timing for what we do it. And then they, they spoke about perceptual timing and incidental timing. So incidental timing is if something happens that's outside of your control, how do you then bring focus back to where you're, back to the program that you need to do? So you've got to be aware and, and bring people back and maybe um, adapt and, and change your uh, your direction. And then perceptual timing was the one that really um, made me think more than, than anything else because they said that if you've got an audience in front of you, you've got to be constantly reading the room. And they said you've got to be living in the moment to be able to read the room, deliver your message, so is it resonating, and, and then how can you then um, live in that moment to give the best experience to those people you might have to veer away from your program time, and you might have to change the script. You might have to do things differently mm-hmm. because of those things. And I think what you what you've articulated in why you do and how you do what you do is to be aware of all three of those different types of things, there and and give people a framework and, and support them to to be okay and comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a fair assessment of or of what I've just said there, and linking it with, with comedy? And what or what, are your, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very fair. And, and I, and I love that. And that's where I, uh, that episode where you recorded on, on the new England lean podcast, you talked about that comedy, uh, the lessons you learned from a comedy beginner class, but yeah. And that was awesome that you shared that and it really hit home. But what you're talking about now from the intermediate level, um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of that, that resonates and a lot of that rings true with me. And that's what I guide people through is really, it is about, you know, Picking where you want to go, right? Setting that course and and having a message, having a having a goal, having an an ambition or an objective. And you you do have to respond to the world around you. You have to be paying attention. You have to perceive what's happening around you through not just your own lens, but you've also to be a, a powerful leader or an effective leader, you've got to be able to understand what are the lenses that the people who are watching you, how are they seeing you? What are they seeing you through? What filters in their mind, are, are running and, and what scripts are playing for them to interpret what you say, what you do. And if you, can, and if you can connect with the people you want to lead or already are in charge of leading, if you can connect with what their perceptions are and compare it to your own, you may start to see where there's disconnect, where, where there's going to be potential conflict or where there's going to be a, a message that doesn't land. And if you can adjust what you're doing, what you're saying, not watering down or changing what you believe in and not compromising who you are, but instead just literally change the words you use or change your your physical stature, things like that. If you do it to enable them to see and hear what you really mean, that, that puts you at a huge advantage as far as leadership, because now you're able to pull them in to your world, but not feel like you're pulling them out of theirs, if that makes sense. so So perception is huge in terms of not just perceiving what you observe, but trying to, from a leadership standpoint, imagine what those you're leading are perceiving about you and what you're trying to, to do, especially when it comes to change, right? When we talk about the world of change and transformation, um, you know, people talk about resistance and pushback and lack of buy-in. I don't believe any of that stuff's true. I, really, what I just believe is that there's a disconnect between how they interpret the message based on their world and what's happening with them. And how the leader is communicating the message based on what he or she believes about the world and about themselves, and so so the lead, it falls on the leader, and it's a challenge and it's difficult. But no one ever said leadership was easy, you know. The difficult thing is try to see it through their eyes and understand their view of the world. And once you once you have that connection, and you feel good about it, and sometimes that's just at you know coming right out and asking, how they see things, what they believe, what are they feeling about the situation, and when you when you understand that. Now you can see how your message can can help them differently, or how you can shift it a little bit or change the wording so that it lands better. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like the perception part of it is is critical.
2: Why do you do what you do, Pop?
1: You know, people ask me that a lot, and I, I feel like
0: I feel like I want to retract the question now and ask you something different. If you, if you get this question a lot.
1: Um, no, 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 it's a good, it's, it's a good, it's a fair question. And I didn't want to, I don't mean to make you feel like you're just saying what everyone else says, but, but, but people are always curious because sometimes, I mean, I hear this from, from clients. I hear this from, you know, people I share my story with they say, sometimes they say, it sounds like you're doing therapy with people when you're diving into what are their beliefs or what are their doubts? What are they, what are they afraid of? Um, when it comes to that human to human connection, you know, the reason I coach is because that's so valuable to me. And it's so important to me to understand what's going on in the other person's mind and see if I can truly help them achieve what they want. And because the the big reason I do it is someone did that for me. You know, I've had a lot of people in my life connect with me at at a level where I was able to learn and shift what I believed or my perception of things changed, or I could see it from a different angle. And that was part of my development. And I think a lot of people get to experience some of that, whether they recognize it happening or not. But I had a few profound moments where, where people that stayed out in my mind just shifted what I was thinking in an instant. Um, you know, And I talk about this. I, I've written about it. I've posted about it. It's been, it's been years now. But uh, this is going back almost 10 years I met. I met this gentleman, Albert. Albert Lettman. Um, he was my first real coach. And hopefully you'll hear this when we, when it's live and it's up online. Um, Cause I can't thank him enough for what he did for me, but it was in this moment where we were sitting in it. We went to get breakfast. My boss took us to have breakfast together to introduce us because he respected what Albert was doing. And, and we were hiring Albert to help our company. And I was the new guy. I was the lean guy, you know, and I thought I knew everything coming off of a, you know, 12 years at a big company learning lean. And, and I thought I had it all straight and Albert, just asked me a few questions in a conversation where I was firing off the answers. And I was telling him, I was telling him how it is. And uh, he just was smiling and patient waiting. And then he said, when we were talking about change and and improving a company and cost uh, lean, he said, so Paul, you're talking a lot about profit and cost and and trying to drive out waste. And those are all good things. said, what's the theoretical limit of waste and what's the theoretical low limit of waste and cost. I said, You know, I thought, okay, he's trying to outsmart me here, but I said, well, zero, you know, and I was all proud of myself because he went, yeah, you got it right. Then he said, well, what happens if you have zero in a company? I said, wow. I had to think about that one and I really thought hard and I was like, oh boy, he's got me. And I said, well, you're probably not going to be in business because that means you're not doing anything. You're not spending any money. You're not, you're not making things. You're not paying people. You've got, you've got nothing. He said, that's right. So that can't be the goal. I said, no, probably not. And he goes, what about value? What's the upper limit on value theoretically? And I was like, oh man, I see where this is going. And I, and I just, I gave him the answer. I knew was right that he wanted to hear, but I was, I was just like, I never thought of it this way. The theoretical upper limit on value is it's infinite. You can always find ways to improve, create the new value, and communicate new value, sell new value, bring people into your, into your world to bring better value to customers or to your community, to your clients, to your friends. Um, and so we just started having that philosophical conversation about value and how, how there's, a, there's no ceiling on it. And, and so at the end of it, you said, isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we really talk about in the world of lean or continuous improvement? Isn't it always trying to find a way to bring new or better or more value to the world in whatever your capacity is to do. So in that conversation, I look back on it and, and it, we were there for, for hours drinking, you know, pot after pot of coffee. And, um, and I just remember that day thinking, I walked out of that diner going, I'm a smart guy, you know, and I, and I, and I have a, a solid career so far. I'm in my thirties. I worked at a major worldwide company. I went to college, but I just learned more in that, you know, five hour session at a at a restaurant drinking coffee than I think I had in my entire adult life. And, and I realized before I met him, I didn't really I had a lot of information in my head, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I didn't have a lot of wisdom. And, and that changed in that moment. And that was a coaching moment. And and you know, I, I I turned back to that one a lot because he he easily could have just told me the answer. He easily could have said you're wrong about cost and and you know, waste is bad, but what about value? You should drive value and here's how. And he could have just instructed me and taught me, but instead of giving me a lesson, he coached me through so that I built wisdom in that moment. And that's from that day on, I I sought out more people like him and I tried to get myself into conversations like that. And I started to learn more about how to do that for other people. I tried it myself. I wasn't very good at it in the beginning, but sometimes when I realized that I was good at it and the outcome we would get together as a partnership or as a, you know, as a relationship, or even as a potential client started to see that I had something and that coaching people through to those breakthroughs was, was really the key to transformation. And that's, that's, you know, the long answer to your question, but that's why I do what I do.
2: Yeah. No, amazing. Amazing. And I guess I can't get past Albert at the minute because I, I've had I have conversations, people every day. And some people um, react really positively to these conversations. And I might have a very similar conversation with somebody else, and they don't react as positively as the previous person did. So they didn't have that, that, that wisdom, or they, they didn't grasp the wisdom or the thought or the, um, the, 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 the meaning or behind, um, behind the intent of the question. Whereas other people do, it sounded like you were open-minded, you mm-hmm. know, to actually to grasp hold and, and run with it. Um, was it that reason? Was it? Is, is it because you were? A, what, what was the reason that you that you were that you took that lesson and and you've turned it into this this pivotal moment in your life when Albert may have had, and I don't I don't know about right, Albert, but you might have had a number of com- very similar conversations. And it might not have had a, a profound effect on other people. What do you mm-hmm. think the
1: difference is? Yeah, and that's a really good observation because I've been in rooms with him where I've heard him speaking the same way. And some people in the room just are are shut down against it. They just don't want to hear it. They they didn't believe him and they walked out shaking their head or saying, you know, he's crazy, we're never gonna do it that way. Where where others were like, tell me more, I want to learn from you. So I know he's had conversations with people where it didn't go as well as it did with, with me. And he's probably had conversations with people where it was better. Um, but I, I think the difference between, and you nailed it when you said about the open-mindedness, it's conversations, especially when it's coaching are always, it's a two way street, you know, and coaches, in my belief anyway, what I try to do as a coach is don't instruct and don't necessarily teach. Don't lead the witness. You know, you may know, think, you know, the answer, Don't don't get them there just to prove the point or show them the right answer. Instead, if they're open-minded, you're, you're, you're able to kind of say enough things where they're patient and they'll hear it or they want to hear it and they try to rationalize or process or understand what you're saying. But you, as the, the coach also have to be open-minded to maybe what I'm saying isn't landing on them in the moment. And how can I know And so the, the kind of the art or the craft is really back to perception, right? To that earlier point, watching and understanding them. Are they, are they looking at you with curiosity and is their mind open or are they, is everything shut and are they thinking about the fight they had with their spouse an hour before you met or the project at work that's three weeks overdue and their boss is coming down on them? If that's where their head is at, you could be giving them the secret to, to, you know, immortality and they're not going to hear it. They're not going to hear anything you say because their mind is somewhere else. So yes, they, in order for those messages to land, I was very open-minded. I, I was sitting in that, that seat. Cause I wanted to be there. You know, the other thing is my, my boss that brought me to that conversation, he and I were, had a great relationship. It was only a couple of months after he hired me, but we were, we thought the same. We were, we were on the same wavelength, you know? And so I was excited when he told me about this guy, Albert. Um, you no, know, it wasn't like he's like, you have to meet somebody and drop what you're doing. Let's go. He talked about it for weeks and I was so excited. Um, so you've got to have both the, you know, for the recipe to really to work. You've got to have an open-minded recipient, but the deliverer, the, the person sending the message has to also be willing to be open-minded about what that other person's going through and really try to understand them first. Otherwise it just doesn't work. And I think that's, that's a powerful sort of message or, or if you want to call it a lesson for leaders is read the room, so to speak, right? It's kind of like what you talked about, what you learned in the, in the comedy classes, you know, connecting to that audience. If you walk into an audience, that's all kind of coming from a very um, maybe narrow minded viewpoint on a subject. And that subject is, is the, the crux of your material you may, you may get booed off stage. You may, you, you know, you may get laughs for the wrong reason, or you might just, you might just be told to leave. And there's very few comedians, you know, you watch the Netflix specials and the ones that have made it big. There's very few who can walk in a room like that and get booed or, or heckled or yelled at and, and leave that room better. You know, that's, that's a real talent. Most people are going to walk out of there, you know, maybe doubting themselves or feeling defeated, so you've got to read the room. If you're a younger person trying to lead, if you're trying to move your way up in a company, or even if you're you know, halfway through your career, you're in your 40s, maybe you're 50 years old and you're not good at, at reading rooms of people, start there, start learning how to do that first before you learn about strategies to change the company, before you bring in somebody to do a big transformation effort. Work on yourself first to say, how can I be more open-minded to understand if they're open-minded because when those two things happen when you're both approaching it with curiosity uh, when you're both approaching it with a genuine compassion for the mission of the business or what the organization stands for uh, until that's happening there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of walls that are up you know and there's going to your message you're going to fall on deaf ears
2: how do you get somebody to be more open-minded so what we've we've got um leadership coaches or do uh, and and I find sometimes when um, some people turn up to week one, uh, day one, week one, module one, introduction, mm-hmm. that they are a little bit close. They've got to their position um, as a leader, knowing what they know, being who they are and doing what they do. And, and so what's got them to be successful, um, they believe is going to carry them through their, their career and um, so how do you um, encourage or enable or create that open-mindedness in, in other people to, mm-hmm. to create a bigger transformation
1: yeah you know it's it is a it's a hard thing it's difficult to do because you know something else i believe is you really can't get anybody to do anything you know and, and i hear that a lot from people managers who, who want to be powerful leaders or they want to be more effective as a leader. And they if I could just get people to listen, if I could just get people to change, we can't get anybody to do anything. And you can't really get someone to be open-minded. Um, you can suggest it. You can encourage it. You can talk about how amazing it'll be all day long. Um, doesn't mean they're going to change just because you're excited about it. So the approach that I like to take is is teaching when I work with my clients is We've, we've got to work on, they've got to work on themselves first, right? We've got to go internal first, right? And everybody says change starts from within, uh, you change from the inside out, and that's all well and good, and I believe it. But the real question is, well, not just how do you do that, but why? Why, why should I change? You know, if, if I believe I'm a good leader, and I know I'm skilled and qualified, why, why should I change? And, and that's usually where I start with it. Not usually, that's always where I start with people is fundamentally, what is their belief system? you know, how do they see themselves and what do they believe about the world and and their relation to it? You know, what do they believe about other people? And so the way I, you know, in air quotes, if anybody's just listening and not watching is the way I get them to be open-minded is first helping them to understand themselves in a way that that's going to open some profound discoveries, right? So helping them to really understand what do they actually believe to be true? Because sometimes we just walk around through life with our view of the world and, and our impression of ourselves, just assuming that that's how it is. And when it comes to, when it comes to that, I, I tell people it's, you know, the, the, who you are and how the world works is, is a story and it's built around a set of facts. And maybe the facts won't change, Who you know, how tall you are, where you were born, how you grew up, what your parents did. Um, the company that you're working in, those are facts that we can't change. But the story we tell around those facts, we can absolutely rewrite to be whatever it is we want. So if somebody's closed-minded and and either I pick up on that or before I even start, I want to understand if they are and I want to help them become open-minded. The best way I found is the most effective way is helping them first understand what do they believe to be true about themselves? And then are they are they telling a story that that was given to them or written for them? Is it a story that's evolved over time through a lot of different negative experiences or, or things that they didn't even understand were happening? And if they can see that story and then read it to themselves, you know, and say, I don't really, that's not the story I want. That's not who I, I don't think that's really a representative of who I am. I want to change it. Right. So, because now there's a reason to change. There's their why to become different because it's basically like asking them to define themselves the way other people see them. And then when they, when they do that and they read it back to themselves, they're like, wait a second, that's not who I am. I'll tell you who I am. I'm this, I'm that I'm, I'm compassionate. I'm driven. I'm ambitious, you know, but the story that, that they might be carrying around is that they're um, you know, they're, they're on a sing, they're a single track mind or they're, you know, they're, they're not good enough to be CEO uh, or maybe, you know, they'll never be, as successful as their dad, something like that. Right. They've got, we've all got that stuff from, from life, especially the older we get, the more of it that there is. And these stories become just anchors that we drag around with us. So if we can break those open and say, well, what's, what's the story that, that you want to tell? Who do you know in your gut and in your core, you really are. And when they start talking about that and telling that story and rewriting it, now they're starting to open their mind. They're starting to think about, possibility what if everyone saw me differently what if i acted as if i was this version of me that i that i really want to be instead and once they're there if they're excited for that their mind is wide open and then we can start to really get to work so that's that's the first place i start with people yeah love it love it love it love it and during your introduction you mentioned the word accelerate
2: a number of times Mm -hmm. um how do you get people to a different place faster or in a more accelerated way, um, how do you do
1: that? Just you know, the way I was talking about getting getting through to them or having them rewrite their story. Def- yeah. And I always tell people when we're gonna start off working, you know, hey, look, it's it's we're gonna do all the heavy lifting up front. We're gonna front load the hard work, and right away they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna do some productivity work, some time management. You're gonna tell me how to lead an organization or structure my org chart. And, and that's what they think because they think that's the hard stuff. And it's, nope, we're not, we're not going to do any of that stuff first because that stuff, once you work on yourself and you've got a stronger belief system where you've, you've kind of diagnosed the doubts about yourself that you have and, and purge them from your mind or crush them with evidence about how they're not true. And you've overcome some of the fears about taking risk or, you know, changing paths or making waves. These things people say don't ever do once, once they overcome those fears and they rewrite that story i call it their their own personal leadership mission statement and i help them build that once they've got it everything else downstream from that goes faster all of that other stuff becomes logistics you can google how to do a strategy or how to change your org chart you know but you can't necessarily google how do i work on myself you might google it and get a gazillion results but there's a process to go through and once you do that part everything downstream goes faster so it's It's almost like we automatically accelerate because they don't have these other things dragging them down. You know, the analogy I like to use is you've got a back. It's I call it the backpack blueprint. Right. And it's kind of a technique, but it's you've learned a lot of things in life. You've got a lot of experiences, good, bad, ugly, all of it. And, and, And each one, if you think of it like a rock that you've picked up and put in your backpack, you've been carrying that around your whole life right? And that backpack gets heavier as you get older, the more experiences you put in there. But some of those experiences are what are going to make you succeed and the things that drive you forward, you know, the fuel for your success. But some of those things, usually the bigger, heavier, nastier rocks, like the anchors, they're holding you back. And until you figure out what those are and either get rid of them or break them up into smaller pieces or change them, do something to them, until you do that, every step you take forward is a struggle. It's like trying to walk through quicksand with, you know, this weighted down pack on your back. It's going to be harder. You're going to go slower. So that's why we do that work on on the beliefs first, the doubts first, the fears first. Those are the big rocks. And when we leave them behind, now you've got this light pack and all it's filled with is the fuel you need. Now there's what's going to slow you down. Now you're cruising. And even if you find yourself starting in that same quicksand to use that, that metaphor, you're going to invent a hoverboard and you're going to, you're going to hover over the quicksand instead of just trying to, you know, grind it out and, and take bigger steps and tire yourself out. You're going to find an easier way to move across that surface or to get out of that pit. And once you do that, now you're, now you're cruising, now you're accelerating. So that's kind of how I help them move faster because once we get to that stage, now we're doing things like leadership strategy. How do you have conversations where you're able to control the outcome without controlling the people? How are you able to get your great ideas about change or improvement or how to run the business differently? How are you able to plant those ideas in other people's heads so that they believe it's their own idea and they get so excited they want to build it for you? You know, once you're able to have conversations like that, that's powerful, but you can't do it if you've got, if you're doubting yourself or if you're afraid of what they're going to think of you, you you can't, you can't have that same powerful conversation. So if I teach you the strategy to do it, give you the word for word syntax it's not going to matter if you've got those rocks, you know, on your back that are, that are pushing you down. Eventually those are going to become your biggest obstacle. Yeah. And in the great, the great news about that is, is it's a hundred percent within your own control to change those. Yeah, no, completely, completely. What's the dream for you, Paul? The dream? Yeah. Uh, as far as my business dream, right. If you want to talk about that, it's more, there's a goal I have it, and I want to help a, I want to help a thousand people transform in the way that I'm talking about. And, and I know that's a, you know, okay, why that number people ask me? Cause the dream I have is, and it sounds cliche and everybody says it, right. I want to change the world, but it isn't, it isn't just this, this sort of lofty ambition about, you know, change the world in any way. It doesn't matter. I just want everybody to know who I am. Instead it's, I want, I want to change the way leadership is, is viewed. And I want to change the way leadership is done so, so much so in a way that every individual I help has a positive impact on the lives of 10, hundred, or even a thousand other people in a way that elevates them, you know, elevates their status in the world that elevates their, their ability to have their own dreams, you know, because I can't, I can't reach a million people individually and work with them but if I can help a thousand people and they each help 10 and those 10 people will go off and help 10, I think that that can spread fast and that can get, you know, we can get everybody, everybody can be a leader of themselves, you know, and that's really kind of my dream is that we spread the word and we get people to see that, that leadership isn't a title. You know, leadership doesn't, doesn't mean that you've worked hard and now you're 70 years old and you finally get recognized for it or leadership doesn't mean you've got to be the biggest bully Or the toughest person in the yard, it really, I think leadership means taking command of yourself first. And as easy as that sounds, it's really hard to do. And I think there's a lot of people who who struggle and don't know how. So if I can help a thousand people take command of themselves, and then, and and it's amazing when I hear from some of my clients, like, oh my gosh, you never believe that thing you taught me. Uh, You know, my boss came to me and she was stressed out, or one of my teammates is thinking about quitting and i use some of the techniques that you help me and i change their mind you know they're more excited about what they do or they're more supportive and that's that's the impact that i'm talking about they've just helped that person become a better version of themselves and if they you know if they're helping people like that every day for years that's that's my reach to those thousands of people through the one that i helped
2: yeah
1: love it so that's kind of that's the dream i have yeah love it amazing yeah. amazing and if people want to find
0: out more about you what you do how you do it and the courses, where, where would they go? What would they find?
1: Uh, you know, number one, you can start off on LinkedIn, you know, connect with me there. And um, I think P Serafino is, is my, my LinkedIn tag name, find me there, or just go to my website, paulserafino.com. And that's going to have ways that you can send me messages, link to my LinkedIn page, but also information about how I help people a little bit more about what I stand for, some of my values and then information about, uh, the course. And, and if there's actually anybody listening or watching that's interested on my website, there's also a link to a free training I put together. So it's basically, I call it a masterclass, but it's a lot of these concepts you and I just talked about. I've kind of distilled them down into more of a step-by-step where anybody can watch that. You know, It's, it's free to watch. It's about 45 minutes, but it'll give you some, some real actionable things that you can actually take and, and implement that day and see results. So I encourage people to to go and, and uh, you know, click on that button and watch the training. And, and I think that can that can do a lot for their perception, their perspective, but it can also give them some, some relaxable strategies. Uh, yep. you know, so those are the best ways to find out more about me and connect.
0: Yeah. Perfect. No, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing all of those things. I, I guess one question I do have remaining for you, Paul, is uh, what does the lean guy turn leadership coach have for his tea? So tea, evening I was prepared meal. prepared for this. Oh, you were prepared was, for it. I was prepared for this. <laughs>
1: the good news is it's only it's 11 a.m here so i can still i can still have caffeine so i've got my uh you can see here for in honor of star wars day you know today's may the fourth star wars day so my my darth vader mug it has the the, sorry to see with the glare but the expressions of darth vader angry happy sad confused sleepy cheerful frustrated excited and of course obviously it's just Darth Vader's mask, which doesn't change, right? So all his different expressions, but I'm drinking a, a green tea and it's from the Republic of tea. I don't know if they're worldwide or if that's any good by your standards, if you've heard of them at all, but it's delicious and it, uh, yeah, I like green I like green tea because it kind of helps the mind.
0: Oh, very good. Well, there you go. Paul Serafino recommendation there, green tea. And, and yeah. I, I guess so it is 11 o'clock um, in, the, uh, in the day there. So, so your evening meal tonight, just out of curiosity, let's, uh, let, let's
1: finish this off in style. What's, what's your evening meal going to be? I haven't planned it out for the day, but I think what I'm leaning towards today, because I haven't had it in a long time, and I love, I love tacos. I love steak tacos, so beef tacos. Um, and today's Tuesday. Yeah, I was just about to so say that, yeah. It could be Taco <laughs> Tuesday, Star Wars Day. I mean, that's the dream right yeah. there. So yeah. um, I think that's that's what I'm going to shoot for for my meal tonight. It's yeah. going to be tacos on Tuesday.
0: Tacos on Tuesday. No, amazing, amazing. I just want to say, Paul, thank you so much for your honesty, openness, sharing um, everything that, that you've shared today as well about your, your journey, your story, and, and the lessons I uh, very much appreciate it. I've love getting to know uh, a little bit more about you and hopefully I'll get the opportunity to, uh, to, to, uh, to keep chatting with you.
1: Yeah. You know, thank you for having me on Lee. I, I enjoyed it. This was a blast and uh, yeah, let's, let's continue the conversation. I definitely want to talk more. I'd love to be on again in the future if, if that's a possibility and we'll, we'll definitely this, we've got a strong connection now. I'm, I'm so happy I reached out to you and that uh, you were, you were open to it. Um, so thank you for having the open mind and, and the invitation. This was great.
0: Oh, perfect. Cheers, Paul.
1: Enjoy the rest of your green tea. Thank you, Lee. You you too. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.